is a podcast that seeks to bring the church world and the art world closer together. My name is Matt Anderson. I want to thank you for joining us. Also invite you to please subscribe to the podcast. And then uh, if you can, a five-star rating and review really helps us on your platform and uh, increases our availability. Now, I can't tell you when or how it happened or even how I ended up with them. But one day I was going through my uh, belongings, going through some kind of memories that I had, uh, and I came upon a manila envelope with my mom's handwriting. Now, I had not seen that handwriting for a long time, but it was instantly recognizable to me. You see, she, uh, she died of breast cancer during my senior year of high school. And really, anything creative I do probably comes from her. I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but uh, she had a lot of creative abilities. We had a a nativity set. I still have it. Uh, And we had metal figurines. This was how old it was. It was in the 60s, I think. And she hand-painted every one of uh, of the figurines in that. And they were beautiful. She was incredible at decorating cakes. Uh, and my waistline is proof of that. Uh, she also sewed. She could make uh, clothing and outfits. Um, she, she just had a, a wide variety of creative talent. A lot of artistic expressions. But you know, most of them just stayed within the confines of our home. And then when she did something for maybe others uh, to see, she really liked to remain anonymous. So I'm going through the items in the manila envelope, and most of the papers in there are just kind of random individual writings. Uh, One of them was uh, a timeline of uh, major events in her life. Uh, The pages were of varying sizes. Some were on sort of officially lined notebook paper. Some was like from a legal pad. Some were on just small scraps of paper that were nearby. Others on um, items that just seemed to be within her reach. So among this menagerie of paper and scribbles were about 10 poems. Now, to that point in my life, I had never known that she wrote poetry. And I began reading through them, and not not that I'm an expert, but I thought they were pretty good. Of course, only she and the Lord saw the final result of her work. Now, my hope was that it was at least an act of worship between her and Uh, and her Lord, and that's always the best motive. But I was sort of sad that my mom never had the notion or maybe even the courage to let anyone else see what she was creating all those years. And being the single mother of three rambunctious boys, uh, she had almost zero time to work on any kind of a craft. So I'm amazed she was able to do anything. But I wish she could have released it for others. Just something, her poems, something. 
in order for others to read those poems and be blessed. I mean, I'm glad I have them. Uh, in, in fact, at the end of this episode, I'm going to read my favorite poem of hers. What we create is, is very personal to us. We, we have heard probably the overused metaphor of creating to be like the birthing process. And if that indeed is true, then what we make is, at least to us, it's our baby. I mean, the whole process uh, from beginning to end, there's what am I going to do and how am I going to do it? And, and then the try and the fail and the start again and the fail again. And all just the emotional, the intellectual, the spiritual investment that we have to put in this thing in order to get it from blank to finished. So I get it. We're very deeply connected with what we've made. But there's a danger in that. Sometimes we can be so attached that it stays close to us forever. After putting so much of ourselves into something else, are we now going to release it into the air so that others can possibly just trash it? You know, think of artistic works that take years to create. And after all that, to have it given one stupid star on some ridiculous rating system by someone who has never made anything themselves, yeah, that could be a bit difficult. And I get that. But to me, and you're free to disagree if you wish, it isn't art until it's out of our control. And let's be honest, that's really what is at issue here. We want to control what we make and what we think about it. We want to hold it closely to our chest so that it can't be disparaged. It can't be discredited. It can't even be questioned. Okay, fine. But let's go back to that birthing analogy. A mother can't keep her child physically attached to her forever. I mean, that just gets weird. Eventually, biology takes over. The child grows and the child has to actually detach, if for no other reason than to go to school or just to, just to go to the bathroom, for heaven's sakes. Now, maybe the mom doesn't want to release her child into the world because there are dangerous people out there. Uh, other kids, they might ridicule him or bully him at school. He might not be academically strong. Uh, he might not be athletic, and he might suffer shame and get bullied over that. But to every parent, the child cannot become an adolescent and later an adult until we release. At some point, what, what we have made, quote-unquote, has to be released. Now, we can play it safe and just keep what we create to ourselves. But we will be the only ones who will benefit from it. And yes, yes, it is great when we can do that as a personal act of worship to Jesus. But just like any other gift, it's meant for others. No one is blessed because you sing nicely in the shower. If you only practice and never perform, it's like the chick that stays in the egg. I think it's time for us to have a release date. We need to make stuff and release it. It's time to go public with your art. Question is, how do we do that 
I'm going to try to answer that in just a moment. I'm Dr. Anthony Fauci, Director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases and the most important person in the world. Over the last few months, I have been receiving many questions about opening up our country again, as well as personal accusations about my involvement with this virus. I wanted to clear up these issues once and for all, so I have been hooked up to a polygraph machine that is being administered by an FBI special agent. If the machine detects falsehood, you will hear this sound. And to the media, a reminder that this presentation should not stop you from continuing to call me for interviews. To begin, everyone wants to know when I think we should no longer be wearing masks. I am confident that at our current trajectory, we should be able to stop wearing them by July 4th, Labor Day, next Mother's Day, next Thanksgiving, never because I receive a one cent residual on every mask sold worldwide. But is one mask enough? Many have claimed that I have recommended wearing two masks. I have never mentioned this. I may have mentioned it conversationally. I've stated it in a few interviews. I've secretly pressed politicians to enforce triple masking so I can finish the lanai on the back of my vacation home in Naples. I also want to state unequivocally that I am not doing all of this for media attention. I am not trying to be a celebrity. I don't have to be on camera all the time. I don't want to be famous. I can stop doing interviews at any time. I have the CNN logo tattooed on my calf. There's a common misconception of disconnect between those in the government and those who are not. Let me assure you that I have your best interests at heart. We are not trying to control your life. You could probably use a little guidance, a lot of supervision. We think you are nimrods who don't know your backside from your elbow. In our efforts to get the entire country vaccinated, what should be done with those who refuse the vaccine? They should not do something that goes against their beliefs. They should still wear a mask. They should continue to socially distance. They should gently be encouraged to get vaccinated. They should be rounded up, taken to an island like Alcatraz, and be forced to fend for themselves Lord of the Flies style. And finally, there are serious accusations regarding my ties to the Wuhan laboratory and even more seriously to the Chinese government. Let me say here and now that these allegations are completely untrue. They are mostly untrue. They are untrue from a certain perspective. There may be a little truth to them, 
My legal name is Anthony Fauci. I hope this clears up many misconceptions. I hope the confusion about me continues to the point of my death, ensuring zero accountability. trying to urge all of us artists to not keep what we can do to ourselves. That at some point, it really is not art until it is released and other people can weigh in on what we're creating. Uh, I know it's, it's unavoidable <laughs> and it's the hardest part of this thing because something that took you so long to make can be dismissed in seconds. I want to first start by saying that you and I need to be so attached to Christ. We have to recognize where our value truly is. Our value is found in being his child. Even more than being an artist. Our great value is in being his son, his daughter. And when you and I can, can just center ourselves in that on a daily basis... And allow him to remind us of how loved we are. He doesn't love us because we make stuff. He, do, he doesn't love us because we create stuff. No matter how good or bad it is, how known or unknown it is. He, the value is found in being in that relationship. That he, uh, he fought everything in this world to get you back. And us just staying in that place. There is value in that. So it really doesn't matter, ultimately, what other people say about what we create. So our heart is not on a platter for other people to destroy. We don't go to them with our value. We have found it in Christ's presence. Now, having said that, um, I would just give a couple of really down-to-earth uh, recommendations for how to, how to make this thing happen. I, I would discourage uh, you from making your first sort of big reveal on social media. Now, we think that's safe because we're not face-to-face -face with someone. And we mistakenly might believe that there's less chance of being hurt. But, oh, my friend, the anonymous critic with their keyboard or their phone can really be brutal because there, there's really no accountability to the people who comment and criticize. So if you're gonna if you're gonna film yourself singing or playing an instrument or showing a painting you've created or you know some photography that you've done or wh whatever that might be, and so you you put it out there on YouTube or you do a little thing on Instagram or TikTok or whatever that is. Just recognize that you're going to get some really bad things, just depending on who can access it. And on YouTube, usually it's pretty much the whole world. And people can say some really nasty things. And 
as hopefully centered as we are in Christ, that can really mess up with your head. So I, I would encourage you to do it on a much smaller scale. Because chances are, I mean, you know, unless you're just an incredible savant, you're not going to be very good at this right now. And that's all right. The only way we get to a mastery level is to start at a ugh, <laughs> level or, you know, somewhat competent level. So here's what I would ask you to do. Um, if, it's, if there's any way that it can be done within the context of your church, uh, whether it's approaching your youth pastor if you're, if you're younger or talking to your small group leader and just saying, hey, can I bring something that I made? I, I think the Lord really inspired me, and um, I just want to show this and explain it and uh, get some feedback from everybody. I would say do it in kind of small pockets. Maybe you want to pick five to ten people that you, you know are trustworthy. They're truth tellers, but they speak the truth in love. And that's really what we're looking for here. Uh, if you do the social media thing, it's all truth, quote unquote, truth. But there's no love whatsoever. And, and again, we got to be careful in church too, because it might be all love and no truth. You'd be like, no, you're great. You know, and that's how we end up with some of those strange singers on American Idol over the years, because they were surrounded by people saying, you're great. You know, so we, we need to find a handful of truth tellers. And, and we need to be able to have security in Christ to say, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you see this or watch this or take this in, hear this. And I'm going to, I'm going to send you a little questionnaire. I'm going to email it to you. I'm going to text it to you, whatever it is. And I want you to be honest, okay? Because I want to get better at this. So you need to tell me if there's anything glaring that I'm doing wrong, that if there's a weird habit that I'm, I'm, I'm doing or uh, something that isn't working, if I'm out of tune, if I'm, you know, whatever it is, and even offer them a little incentive. I've done this for, for books that I've written. Uh, you know, I've offered people a free copy of my book if they would review it on Amazon. Um, and again, I chose people that I knew would, <laughs> you know, would not blast me and encourage them if they, if they definitely had criticism uh, to let me know. Uh, and I would do that actually before before the book was released. And it can really help because sometimes you really do need to hear great feedback. In fact, we always do. Uh, when I was releasing my novel in, I want to say 2011, 2013, uh, I had picked about 10 people. I think I even then sent out a, a Facebook thing to my my personal friends uh, asking if they wanted to review it and get a free copy. But I chose, before that, I chose about five people that I really trusted, that I knew were super smart and they get it and that they would be honest. And so I, I sent out the book, at least the manuscript. And one of them came back to me and said, hey, chapter one. Now, again, probably more, probably more truth than love there. Uh, but just she did not like the main character she didn't find anything redeeming about him, therefore nothing to root for in him. And she, she said, I think I'm going to spend the rest of the, of the book not liking this guy. And of course, you know, and she had read pretty much the whole thing, and it wasn't enough to change her mind. And so I, I literally did a rewrite of chapter one because of that feedback. 
And there was about five seconds of ouch, and then a little defensiveness. Yeah, but don't don't you realize what he's going through? You know, there, there's that natural sort of pushback. But she hung in there. She says, I'm just telling you, you wanted me to tell you. I'm like, yep, you told me. Very good. <laughs> so it can be really painful at times. But but find find some safe people who will be honest and loving and let you know. And hopefully it will increase your confidence to a point where you can do the YouTube thing or, or the Instagram thing and sort of unveil it to the world. Or maybe you're going to decide to actually do something in church. Or you're going to bring your guitar to your small group and just, you know, I can play if somebody can sing and put it out there for consumption. That's really the only way this thing works. And if you do need a little bit of an incentive, you know, get them like a Starbucks $5 gift card for those, those first folks who can really speak into your life. You just want, you want to say, I want to, be, I want to be a really good artist. I want to do this with excellence. And uh, I think the Lord will lead you to those folks. Even if they're not experts in your field, uh, they, they can have enough knowledge of just, they know if it's good or if it isn't, but they're loving people who can speak the truth. And I think from that, you can gain better confidence and, and one step in front of the other. And before you know it, you can just throw something out there and, uh, and, and, and you've done your best to create. And then whatever the feedback is with the masses, it, it won't necessarily... Uh, mess you up one way or the other. You you know you won't believe it when they say you're the greatest author ever, and they won't believe it. Uh, you know you won't believe it when they say uh, you you can't even do a sentence. The truth's always in the middle there, and of course let God speak the truth into you, because He's the one who called you and gifted you. And I'm telling you, as you obey the Lord in this. Um. There are going to be people who are blessed by what you do. It may not be millions of people. It may be 10 people. It may be 50 or 100. Who knows? But that's the point. The point is what we do stirs people within their heart and brings them down the path of a deeper relationship with, with Christ or, even better, allows them to finally surrender their life to Christ. So I want to finish up. I mentioned this in the first segment I want to read one of my mom's poems. I really, uh, I really liked it. And I'm not sure if, she, I don't know when she wrote this. I would almost guess she wrote it uh, when she was going through cancer treatments. The, the poem is entitled, One Day. One day, I'll skip across the treetops, racing wind and time. When I'm finished, I'll then rest and take in the view sublime. I'll climb a cloud up to its peak, and when I'm finally there, I'll choose a cushiony, pearly street and smell the sweet, fresh air. Afterwards, I'll find the rainbow, known for its unequaled beauty. I'll follow its path, for I know it leads right to heaven for me. Above the waters I will fly and visit every season, never again to wonder why. I'll truly know the meaning of reason. Well, we appreciate you being a part of the Madcast. 
please share this with a friend. We want to expand our MattCast family. Our theme music is provided by Sound of Fusion. This has been a production of Monumental Ministries. If you'd like more information about our books and our resources, go to mattministry.com. Hey, thanks for having me over. I had a wonderful time. Mm